Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this day of life again, God. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word, your holy word, your living word, to study it. And with a desire, Lord, for us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, God. We pray, the Lord, that your will would be done in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in our midst, that you are faithful and, and good. And Lord, we ask that you'd bless this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we will go ahead and finish up taking a look at chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Matthew chapter 6. So much to learn, so much to gain from the words written in red here. The words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just to be sure that we stay in the context of this chapter this morning, I'd like for us to go ahead and uh, just start reading back in verse 1. I know we studied verses 1 through 15 the last time we gather, and today we'll concentrate mostly on verses 16 through 34, but I'd really like to just start reading in verse 1 here. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites, hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then beginning our verses for today, starting in verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, 
when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, here again we see that the Christian life, that is the born-again disciple of Jesus, is not a person that is drawing attention to themselves or their own personal religiosity. The, the true disciple of Christ deflects attention away from themselves and really is only concerned with how God sees them and how they're living their lives before God. They're not living for the here and the now. They're not seeking to be pleasers of others, but are wholly focusing on pleasing God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6, it tells us that we are not to live as men pleasers, but rather as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God, it says, from the heart. And that's the key. It's not what we appear to be like from a religious standpoint on the outside, but how are we truly in our hearts? What kind of relationship do we have with God the Father in our hearts? That is what matters. And in all of these teachings of Jesus here, um, what we're seeing is that it's who we are in our hearts and, and not the outward appearance that, that makes a difference. Fasting, for example, is indeed something very good for us to do from a spiritual standpoint. It's a, den it's a denying of the fleshly desires. It's putting aside the, the flesh for, for a period of time and focusing on God so that we can diligently seek Him, right? We spend minute after minute, hour upon hour, right? Day upon day, so very focused on this physical life of ours that we, are, that we far too often ignore the eternal, the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for us. And the spiritual things of life, the internal things of life, often get ignored. So, Jesus is indeed stressing fasting here, but it just should not be done, he's saying, to draw attention to ourselves, but rather should be done uh, for the reward that comes from God. And there is indeed a reward from God when you take the time to put aside your flesh and go on a fast. Now, keep in mind that fasting from a biblical standpoint is speaking of abstaining from food, but if for medical reasons or some reason like that you cannot do so, there are other things that you can deny your flesh of, that you can fast from. Uh, just think about the things in your life where you dedicate a lot of time or something that you realize is maybe consuming a lot of your life, right? Um, things that you do to gratify your carnal nature, your own mind, right? You can, um, you can begin a fast from these things as well and instead spend that same, same amount of time that you spend on those things seeking the Lord in prayer, for example, or reading the Word of God, being diligent for a, a period of time where you're really seeking God. So I don't want to diminish the importance of fasting but I also want to be sure that we stay within the context here of what Jesus is teaching. And that is that it matters more who we are internally 
and who we are in the sight of God, then it matters how we appear to other people. Okay, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. Then if you look down at verse 19, Jesus continues teaching here, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there again, we see that the focus is the heart, right? The eternal, not the external. You see, if we're honest, we all must admit that life becomes all about whatever we're focused on. If you think about it, whatever we're focused on, that's what life becomes all about. And what we focus on ends up consuming us oftentimes. If we focus on our houses, our, our vehicles, our clothing, our food, these are, these are the things that end up controlling our mind, our will, and our emotions, our heart, right? The very core of our being is affected by whatever we are focused on. Jesus is saying here that our focus needs to be the eternal and not the temporal. Even the very physical bodies that we are now indwelling are temporal. The life, this life, right, the, the time that we have in this body is just a vapor that appears for a short time and then it vanishes away. So our Lord here is telling us that we have to adjust our focus. That's what he's teaching us here. He continues on in verse 22 and says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good. So again, this is talking about our focus here, right? If our focus is on that, is on that which is good, Jesus says here that your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye or our focus, right, is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, what Jesus wants his disciples to have is a single focus, a single eye, a focus that again is on the eternal and not the temporal. Now, you see, if you were driving your car down the road, I was thinking about this as I was studying. And if you're driving your car down the road and all of a sudden one of your headlights started to point to the far right and the other one to the far left and it's, it's dark outside, it's nighttime, but one headlight's pointed over here and one headlight's pointed over there, the direction that you're going in will become disoriented. You're seeing the darkness straight ahead and that's the way you're going. That's the direction you want to go, but you've got a headlight pointing over here and a headlight pointing over there. There would still be some sort of light in front of you, but the direction you are focused on would be in darkness. So what Jesus is saying here is make sure that you fix your focus. Okay? Have a single focus. That is make sure that the focus that consumes you is truly in the light and not in the darkness. That you're focused on the right things. The eternal is the true light. That is that which is good. The temporal is the darkness 
and, and that which will negatively affect who you are. So a single eye that is a single focus, a focus on that which is good, uh, and an internal, uh, excuse me, an eternal focus, that will bring you the most peace in this life. There will be an absence of confusion. You will be focused on where you're going. You see, if I were to say to you that, you know, I'm going to treat you to, uh, let's say, a, a nice wonderful slice of pie, right? A nice, wonderful slice of homemade pie. It's a delicious piece of pie made by the world's finest baker, okay? And then I were to place before you a slice of blueberry, a slice of apple, a slice of lemon meringue, pumpkin, or two or three other wonderful choices, right? But you only get one. The decision then becomes complicated and hard. The focus becomes divided and distressing because you can only have one of these. But your focus might be on, wow, I want them all. I want all of this. I want all of these pieces. But you can only have one. See, and the reality is, is that this life with all of its things becomes taxing on our souls. All the material things of this world. And if we're focused on these things, we get confused. We can get disoriented. We can lose our peace, right? And we can focus on this world and all that it has to offer and we end up just with a life of stress, fatigue, and, and even medical problems that could be avoided because of all the stress and the fatigue of worrying about the things that we have or the things we want to get. You know, we strive to gain things in this world and then we end up having to strive to maintain those things that we've gained, Right? We've got to make payments on it, car payments, this payment, that payment, credit card payments, you know, uh, the maintenance of all these things. So we then end up with a life where we've got too many choices and too much stress going on, right? And the world begins to consume us and we need to let go of that, not make those things be our focus. We'll see that God knows we have need of these things. We'll see as we go on here. But the point is, is what we are focused on. And Jesus talks about that next here in verse 24 as well, right? He keeps going here. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, mammon represents money. The things of this world, right? The things that money can buy. Right? When, when these things become our focus, we begin to see that they, they can consume us and end up being what we serve. They end up being our master and we end up serving them. The borrower is slave to the lender. That's what Proverbs 22, 7 says, right? The borrower is slave to the lender. We end up being enslaved by all the things that we strive to gain, all the things that we're going after. Our love, our affection is all focused on obtaining more and more when all along it's destroying us, right? This is not the existence that Jesus wants for his disciples. That's why he's teaching what he's teaching here. He expresses what he wants though, beginning in verse 25. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink 
nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And of course the answer is yes. This life, this body which we now indwell is far more than just food and clothing and such, right? The body for the born-again disciple of Jesus Christ we know is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is internal. He dwells within us. And the things of the Spirit are not material things. The things of the Spirit are not things at all. And this is why Jesus is teaching us to adjust our focus here. And he says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. So Jesus gives us something to consider here. He says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You may have heard me talk about this before, but many years ago I was going through a difficult, stressing time, and I took a ride out to Fountain Hills, and I just parked the car out there, and I was just going to sit there on the hillside and, and, and seek God and call out to God in prayer. And as I was sitting there, I kid you not, a bird flew down in about, you know, 20 feet in front of me, landed on the grass there at the park, stuck his beak in the ground and came up with a little a worm. And I thought about this scripture. You know, and I thought about all I was stressed about and everything going on, and I thought about this scripture here. And we know that the answer here is, are you not of, to the question, are you not of more value than they? We know that the answer is yes. We are indeed of more value to God than all the rest of His creation because we, as mankind, are the only ones created in the image of God. Okay? And Jesus is saying, let your focus be on God and on the kingdom of God, on the things of God. And God indeed will take care of you. And we have to trust that and we have to rest in that and put our focus on Him. But if our focus is on this world, we will end up being consumed by worry. And Jesus says in verse 27, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to His stature? In other other words, just to keep it plain and simple here, worrying changes nothing. Right, But again, if we're focused on the things of this world, we will have worries consuming us. But Jesus says in verse 28, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You see, keep in mind that in today's money, Solomon's net worth was over $2 trillion in today's money. And that's just money, right? Solomon held nothing back. He had everything. He he chased after wealth, wine, women, and song, as they say. He had it all. But But he found out, though, that it was all vanity, worthless. He said, like chasing after the wind. If you don't know that story, you can just read the Bible book of Ecclesiastes to, to know what Solomon felt about all that. And he came to the conclusion uh, in his life, he came to the conclusion that we should just simply fear God and keep His commandments. He said this is the whole duty of man. 
This is man's all. In other words, this is the absolute best that man can do. This is where your focus should be. Fearing God, reverencing God, and, and keeping His commandments. Right? But with all that, think about that. With all that Solomon had, Jesus says that Solomon had nothing compared to just a simple lily of the field. A simple little flower created by God far outshines the wealth that we can obtain in this world. Verse 30, Now if God so clothes the, the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So pause right there because you see, like I said a few moments ago, God knows that we have need of things in the world. Okay, We need food. We need clothing. We need nourishment. We, we need to keep our bodies warm and such that blood may flow properly and our organs function well, right? God's not saying you, you don't need any of these things. But He is saying that the things should not be our focus. That's what our Lord is telling us here. Why? Again, because they will consume us. They will, it will affect us internally. It will shorten our life. It will steal our joy if we're focused on these things. Don't strive for the things of the world, the things that might impress your family, your friends, or your neighbors. Don't make the things of the, this world your focus so that, you end, that, so that they end up consuming you, raising your blood pressure, stressing your mind, right? God has something far better for the disciple of Jesus Christ. He knows you need things, but, verse 33 says, and I quote this so much to you guys, I know, but it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So that needs to be the priority. That has to be our focus. The kingdom of God. Not the things, not the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus adds here in verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So our Lord is looking out here for our best interests. And we must take heed to what He is teaching us here. By taking heed, I mean we must decide to, to obey this, to do what He's saying. In order to avoid worry, to avoid stress, we must let go of, stop focusing on the things of this world. Stop making the things of this world the priority and make the kingdom of God the priority. We need to shift our focus squarely onto the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I want to show you a scripture here real quick. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 14. Uh, Romans is to the right of where you are in your Bible right now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Acts and then Romans. So right after the book of Acts. And we're um, looking for Romans chapter 14. I just want you to take a look at verse 17 with me. So Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God. Now remember, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's our priority. But the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not about the things of this world. The kingdom of God, we see there, is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God, these are the, this is a clue to what we should be seeking. Righteousness. Are you seeking righteousness in your life? Are you focused on godliness? Is the world consuming you, me, us, right? Can, can, you, can you quote lines from TV shows and movies better than you can quote the Word of God? Do you have peace ruling in your heart and mind? Is, is joy consuming you today? What are you focused on? What are we focused on? You see, the answers to these questions for you and me this morning will be, you know, it's up to us. It's, it's our own decision. What we're doing, how we're focusing on. We need a single focus. A narrow-mindedness. I love to be called narrow-minded if it pertains to my life is focused on the kingdom of God. I don't care if people call me narrow-minded. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to have righteous righteousness that is peace and joy. Not worry, not stress. Right? So what is our focus today? And we need to, to not leave here today not being impacted by what we read because when we read the Word of God like this, when we get together like this to study the Bible, there, there's a purpose to it. We're, hopefully we're going to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of God. And hopefully we're going to go out and begin to put these things into practice in our lives. And of course, I hope this isn't the only time we read the Word of God. We need to be in the Word of God daily, seeking God daily, in prayer daily, right? The Lord wants the, the very best for us, and that's what He's teaching us here this, this morning, is that we need one single focus and that focus is not the things in this world but rather it's the kingdom of God righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and God by his Holy Spirit wants to give us those things and things is probably not the right word there but that's what God wants us wants us to have righteousness peace and joy but it's all in the Holy Spirit so we've seen in this chapter, we've talked about prayer, how we should seek God in prayer. The attention isn't on us. The focus isn't on us. We've seen that fasting is important to seek God. We see that God will reward us for these things that we do. What's the reward? Well, the presence of God itself is the reward. You know, the Spirit of the Lord, the power of Christ resting on us and indwelling in us 
is the reward. And there's a, there's a peace that comes over us in all of this. Jesus, that's the peace that he left with us. In this world, we don't have peace. When we, in the world, we have tribulation, Jesus said. That was a promise of Jesus. We, we will have tribulation. But we can be of good cheer, Jesus said. Why? Because he overcame the world. So we're to be in Christ, the, the one that overcame the world. As we go through this life, we, we struggle with many different kind of things. There's many things that come our way. But we can have peace and joy within us, but only if we are focused on the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells us the way. Jesus is the way, and He tells us the way here in these words in red that we've been studying. Well, let's go ahead and close here for today, and let's pray. Oh, Lord God, again, we thank you for this time. God, again, it's just a quick time, just a short little study where we can gather as believers in your name and, and seek you. But God, thank you that you are with us always. You will never leave us nor forsake us if we are your disciples. And God, the thing that all of us here today and those listening via the internet, Lord, the thing that we must do is seek you and put as a priority in our lives to seek the kingdom of God, to seek righteousness in our lives, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said that we can do all things through you, but apart from you, we can do nothing. That's what your word tells us, Lord. We see those things written in your word that apart from you, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So God, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you've not left us comfortless. You've not left us alone. You've given us of your Holy Spirit who leads and guides us into all truth. And we have your written word and we have your presence within us. And we pray, Lord, and we ask that by your Spirit, you will help us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, to trust you more, Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, that we would turn our eyes off of the things of this world. God, that we would let go and not hold on to and allow things to grip us in this life, but that we would realize, God, that this life is but a vapor and that we're only here for a short time, but we have all eternity to be with you. And that's all because of you, Jesus, because you shed your blood. Thank you for the blood that you shed for our sin, for the remission of our sin. And I pray, God, that we will not trample your blood under our feet, God, and treat it as a common thing, but, God, that we will live a life, Lord, that is a life of repenting of our sin and turning unto you and trusting in you and fixing our eyes on you, Jesus, as the author and the finisher of our faith. God, bless this week that lies ahead for us. Your will to be done in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.